Hello there, Misketeers. Welcome back to Missing Out Mondays, where we tell you what we're into. Start your week off right. I'm Tari J. I am Lex Michael. Lex Michael, let me tell you what I'm into this week, baby. Please do. I watched Godzilla King of the Monsters. Okay, so real quick, I have not seen it yet. Yes. So well, we got to keep this shit spoiler out free. Mondays is spoiler free. Did I, you I forget never our format? You may go rogue, sir. I never know. You're a loose cannon. It's true. You, you don't play it by the books. You get results, but you, you, you loose cannon. You're crazy. Yep. You're like you're like the rogue cop in all of the yep. rogue cop movies. Totally. That's you. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> the T in Tari stands for the rogue cop. Uh-huh. Uh, but anyway, um, I'm I'm seeing it tonight, so I haven't seen it yet. So I, I just want to get like, yeah, I want to gauge your your initial response. Yeah. I was planning on keeping it totally spoiler free. Um and kind of given the broad strokes in terms of the things that I really enjoyed about it are uh, it is a beautiful movie, mm. really uses color super well. Um, the score is fantastic. I've heard it, that. Yeah. It's a, it's by Bear, Bear McCreary, same guy who did um, Battlestar Galactica, Walking Dead. Um, uh, he did a bunch of stuff. Like if Big you, resume. If you name a thing. Yeah. Like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, name a thing, he's done it. Um, but still. Uh, and also, it has a, a really fun ending uh, end credit song, which is a cover of a Blue Oyster Cult Godzilla song. Okay. And the performer is Serge Tinkin from System of a Down. Interesting. It's fucking dope. All right. I love it. Um but yeah, so uh, th- those are like the main highlights. I feel like they they did all of the the monsters justice. Um, they really give you a sense of what it would be like to live in this world with these creatures. Um, it also does a really good job of building from the previous movie, which is Godzilla 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, but could I? I mean, I've seen Godzilla 2014. But if somebody hadn't, would they be able to walk into this movie without? all of that information and still track everything fine. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, the main thing that you need to know from Godzilla 2014 is that part of it took place in San Francisco and that Godzilla exists. Cool. Yep. Um, I I guess. And that God, the first time people saw Godzilla was in 2014. Right. When he saved him from the mutos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, like you can pretty much get everything that you need to, they give you a, a good gist of, uh, of where every, where everything is since then, um, in the first like 10 minutes or so. Okay. Um, so yeah. And, and in that, in the first act, like you really get a sense of how, the, the events of that movie affected everyone in this world in terms of like how legislation has changed, how people approach the the new world since understanding that gods exist in underneath the surface of the earth or the ocean, stuff like that. Right. Um, so I, I feel like it really does a good job of, of building the world out and expanding. Um, and, ah oh man, they're just, some there are parts 
that uh, one so a, so a few cute nods to like the the main original series, right? And, and Godzilla—they've um, been making Godzilla movies since the fifties, mostly through uh, the Toho Company. Right. There's something like including the the Hollywood Godzillas. I something like thirty five of these things. I think so. Yeah. Um, so there's some some cute nods uh, that I really enjoy, and then uh, I think everyone is everyone's big question is like, what about the humans? Right. Um, I think the humans are much better integrated than the first one. Well, there's the fir- a lot of people stuff in the first one. Yes. So the the first one, I feel like um, you are hanging out with these characters who are kind of just like paper boats getting you from one destination to the next. Um, however, this one, like, the people are helping drive the what happens in the movie. They are integral in plot points, and so I feel like they're very well utilized in this movie. Okay. Um, and they give you they allow they also allow you to see the fights and stuff from different angles because of where they are, which I think is a really cool thing way to utilize those characters so that it's like in the original Godzilla is like once we get to the monster fight stuff it's just like dudes in in a miniature city and you don't really see much of it from the people perspective right but now because of where we are technologically like you can be inside a building and see monsters fighting or you can look up and see what it would be like to be next to these giant titans right and i think that that is the best use of the human characters. So in terms of monster fights, this go hard. Oh, it goes fucking hard, bruh. Cause that's what, that's what they're selling. Right. And like that seemed to be part of the intention behind this movie is okay. Well, we heard you last time when everybody was like too much people stuff, give us more monsters fighting each other. Seems like that's the direction they, they're taking it in. Yeah. Right. So like, like if, uh, when I sit down in the theater tonight to watch this movie, well, I walk out feeling like I got my money's worth if that's what I was looking to see. Uh, why, yes, you will. All right. Um, where the first movie kind of waited for the last bit to blow its load on monster fights, mm-hmm. um, this one's just like blowing its load all over the place. Um, I also I like to think of the movie from like there's I like to think of the movie as Godzilla being the hero with a bunch uh like his own three act uh story with a bunch of like side characters doing stuff. Okay. Um and I think that it really enhances these these fights. Uh, I w- like there's a specific reason and I want to tell you about it, but you haven't seen it so I can't tell you. Right. We'll talk about it later. Yeah. Um but like with that in mind, um I think that the way that they do the fights as well, um, they never really feel superfluous, um, and they all serve a purpose. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. See, I don't even need them to serve a purpose. I just want Godzilla and Mothra to beat the shit out of each other. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, but they do, and I and I think that that's why other people can also like it. Right. Like if it, if it serves a purpose so much, the better. I'm just saying, I, I don't even need it to clear that bar. Yeah. I just I, want like, give me, give me King Ghidorah and Godzilla doing fisticuffs for two hours and I'm a happy camper. <laughs> I mean, then you're going to be excited. Sweet. Um, cause there's a lot like the, the climactic fight is 
not only gorgeous, but it's awesome. Okay. It's fucking crazy. Um, so that that is Godzilla King of the Monsters. Highly recommended. Go see it. See it on a big screen. Um, don't wait until it's on your phone because you'd be stupid to do so. Like feel, be in a theater with a good sound system oh, I'm seeing it where in, you can uh, feel the pulses of every step. Yeah, I'm seeing it in IMAX tonight. Nice. So I'm, I'm hyped for that. Good. That experience. But it looks, based on the trailers, it looks visually pretty stunning. So I'm, oh, I'm excited. Yes. That is the best part, I would say. Yeah. Um, so Lex Michael... Uh, what are you into? Well, if you recall, a couple of weeks ago, uh, HBO gave us an ending for a beloved prestige TV series, and the internet uh, sort of melted down uh-huh. over it. I don't know if you recall. Were, um, you, were you there? Are you referring to Barry? No, no. People, oh. people seem really happy about Barry. Yeah, I thought you meant they melted down from excitement. No, they. Well, uh, let's say, let's put it this way: the the reactions were divisive, to say the least. Uh, that was that was a few weeks ago. Yeah. This weekend, HBO offered us an ending to another beloved prestige TV series, and the reactions, uh, not not divisive at all. In fact, are pretty universally rapturous across the board. Uh, reaction that I happen to share. Uh, with with great profundity, I am uh, of course talking about uh, Deadwood, the movie, yeah. which premiered uh, this past weekend on HBO. Of course, uh, I am a big, big, big fan of Deadwood, as I believe you and I discussed briefly. I, in terms of best TV shows ever produced, uh, I would say it definitely makes the top five. But okay, that's you know best is uh, subjective. So let's say favorite. If I'm talking about my favorite TV shows of all time, I think I think it's top three for me. Yeah, sitting up there with I think uh, uh, The Wire and Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks is actually a great point of comparison, not because the two shows are all that similar in terms of tone or content, but because much like Twin Peaks, Deadwood had developed an intense fan base. Whoever was watching was watching because they were super duper into it. And like Twin Peaks, was canceled abruptly. And so you have this, this intense sort of separation anxiety that the fan base experiences. Now, they they talked about, actually, also like Twin Peaks, David Lynch talked about wanting to do maybe a couple of movies. Ended up doing the one, Fire Walk With Me, which was not super uh, well-received at the time. Has long since gone on to be reappraised and, and hailed as a minor masterpiece. Mm-hmm. But the plan was to do more, and it never came to fruition. So when Deadwood ended after the third season... David Milch, the creator, talked about wanting to do two feature films to tie everything up. Yeah. Never ended up coming together. Eventually, the sets were destroyed, and that was going to be it. Just like with Twin Peaks, after Fire Walk With Me, fans had to accept after a certain number of years, no matter how bad they wanted to go back to that world, spend time with those characters, that was it. You have to take what you have, hold on to it, keep it close to your heart, and accept that there will never be any more. Deadwood is an incredible show. I, I maybe will make you watch a, a couple of episodes for this show at some point. But it's a phenomenal ensemble cast. Uh, Timothy Oliphant and Ian McShane are uh, the two most prominent cast members of this massive ensemble. And I would say Ian McShane as Al Swearingen is, for my money, one of the great TV characters of all time. But it's a show, it's a Western, and it's set in Deadwood, South Dakota. The show is set primarily before uh, South Dakota gets absorbed into the Union. And it's largely about 
the idea of uh, modernity versus, uh, well, versus not lawlessness necessarily, but versus independence, getting to be more free, getting to be more wild. And it's about how progress is inevitable, but there will always be those resistant to progress and what happens when that world starts to clash with the inevitability of, of progress and modernity. The, the writing is some of the best writing that I've ever seen on television. I think David Milch is one of the greatest writers to work in the medium. It's uh, It's been compared appropriately to Shakespeare in terms of how the words are constructed almost like poetry mm-hmm. and how characters will occasionally break into soliloquy for long stretches. But also the way he's able to fold in extensive profanity and make the profanity feel equally poetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, of course, you've got this phenomenal cast, this, these wild characters, and the whole thing comes together in such an impactful, resounding, compelling way. The show is crazy dense, too, to an extent that I, I would imagine a lot of people would need to go back two or three times to get every detail, you know, to fully absorb all of it. Phenomenal show. I don't know if you've picked up on that from me so far. But again, once the show ended, it was you had to take it as a given. It would never come back. Yeah. And for a long time, people, you know, there were rumblings like we're going to try and do something, but the sheer logistics of getting all of the cast back and trying to, to raise funding for it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, made it seem like, you know, these are insurmountable obstacles. It probably won't happen. Then occasionally, you know, again, it'd be like, maybe it's going to happen. And then Timothy Oliphant would be like, nah, it doesn't look like it is. And then a couple of years ago, year and a half, there were rumblings that this is a thing that could could really come to fruition. Mm-hmm. It wasn't going to be two feature films. We're thinking about coming back and doing a single feature after, you know, we're talking 13 years later because Deadwood aired the very early 2000s. Yeah. We're going to be, we're going to get everybody back and we're going to do one feature film that is going to cap off our story. So I'm going to continue the Twin Peaks comparison in so far as when Twin Peaks came back with their third season on Showtime. Mm-hmm. It felt like a miracle that it existed. It felt like a gift. If you were a hardcore fan who had assumed for years and years that that was it, there was never going to be more, and you'd made your peace with it, it felt like an impossible, miraculous thing to have. It felt like a gift. Yeah. And Deadwood, the movie, feels no different to me in that regard. In the story... Ten years have passed between the original series finale and where we are now. And what the movie, one of the things, one of the many things this movie does insanely well, in my opinion, is that ten years have passed. Of course, the movie is still about the encroachment of progress, modernity, and also now mortality in the passage of time. Uh, The fact that that much time has passed is a big, big, big part of the story's thematics. Uh, But what the, the movie is able to do really well is balance... A first half that feels very much like it could be the beginning of season four in terms of where we're picking up uh, with the characters, with their relationships, with some of their conflicts. But then we move into the second half, which starts to feel seamlessly like we're transitioning from that to here is a series capper. Mm -hmm. And it feels very fluid, very organic. Because it's a feature film, there are moments that feel ever so slightly contrived so that we can get our our story and our themes aligned the way we need them to but it's it's beautiful it's powerful i spent the last 15 minutes or so a weepy mess (laughs) i feel like they stuck the landing i mean think of ready here's another interesting point of comparison think about how hard avengers endgame stuck that landing 
in that sense, I think it's comparable. I cannot imagine them sticking this landing any better than they than they did. Um, they brought back everybody. You know, the, the sheer logistics of getting that entire cast, both the principal and the, the periphery characters, all back together again to shoot this thing. Yeah. The, the logistics of it are mind-boggling. And they brought back every single person that I can think of who uh, who whose character was still alive on the show and and of course uh, if, if the actor had passed away you can't bring them back but with the exception of, of those examples everybody yeah dude, it was wild um, but we're able to bring bring these characters back and have them play off each other in a way that continues their, their arcs that were established over three seasons both individually and the arcs of their relationships but then also bring them all to a a landing that feels so much more satisfying than I would have expected. Now, like the original series, you know, Deadwood doesn't tell stories the way a lot of TV series tell stories. It's not like, um, you know, like when a, when a big happy event happens in most shows, that's when something terrible happens. Like, you know, if there's a wedding, that's when, uh, you know, all of the goons show up and like the bride gets killed or something like that. That's not how Deadwood tell stories it's able to give you those moments but not in the ways that most other shows give you those moments okay so we're able to it feels like they're able to have three or four cakes and eat them too yeah at at you know simultaneously but it's it's um like the original series there are things that are left fairly open-ended insofar as life doesn't always work in a perfectly tidy way Mm -hmm. but because we are ending the story that we're actually able to tie up some of these arcs in a way that, yeah, like it actually really got me emotional. The fact that it exists at all, like I was saying, it, it, that alone got me like right in the heart. I watched it twice. I watched it the night it premiered and I watched it the next day. Yeah. And first time I watched it, like I said, by the end, I was a weepy mess. (laughs) And the second time I was even more emotionally engaged and stuff from earlier in the movie was getting me stuff that hadn't because I was surprised, like so surprised seeing it, taking it in for the first time. Yeah. Uh, was able to affect me even more intensely. Um, I, uh, if it's not clear, I love it intensely. And it's, it's also worth mentioning David Milch, creator of the show, primary writer of the show wrote the movie. Um, like I said, in my opinion, one of the best to work in the medium, uh, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and he was, he's still, you know, he's, he's there from the sound of it. Currently he's, he's still, you know, there he's, but it's, you know, it's a degenerative illness and it's going to become presumably harder and harder and harder for him to work, which is, I mean, to me, especially if you're familiar with his writing, it's absolutely heartbreaking. Um, Yeah. But you see uh, in the movie, because he wrote the movie, he was on set, he was still doing rewrites while they were in production and stuff. And, and you know, what you learn about him as a writer is he pours a lot of himself into the characters that he writes. Yeah. And knowing that and knowing what he's going through in his own life, you can feel some of that in this movie. And it gives certain things, especially the arcs of certain characters in particular, uh, even greater weight. Like, they would be very weighty arcs to begin with and yeah. knowing that you know this this meta information makes it all feel so much more uh impactful and just so much deeper uh it's incredible i i think deadwood is one of the best shows that has ever been produced and again the fact that it could come back at all let alone in a way that feels this satisfying uh it, it feels like a massive gift 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like, you know, longtime Deadwood fans are pretty much in unanimous agreement on that point. So I would say check it out. I would say, you know, Deadwood's only three seasons long and it can be, it can feel because the writing is so dense. I could see it feeling a little bit impenetrable at first, mm-hmm. but I highly encourage anybody and everybody to give it a shot because again, three seasons, not a crazy time investment. Now three seasons in a movie. It's, it's a pretty special thing. Okay. And I am thrilled that the thing exists. (laughs) I mean, it sounds amazing. It sounds like one of those cultural phenomenon shows that people really like gravitate towards. Um, so yeah, I would be down to check out some episodes either for this show or if I have some free time this summer, it feels a little bit like, I think maybe you and I have talked about, I don't know if we've talked about it on this show, but we've talked about it and I've talked about it with a few people. Game of Thrones ending. Uh, feels very much like the end of an era. Like Game of Thrones got in at the, just like the Marvel movies kind of got in at the end of something. Yeah. And now the way we're consuming media is shifting so drastically and so rapidly that I don't think you can do a show that catches on that pervasively, that ubiquitously again. You know, there'll be big shows, big popular shows, but that feels like the last show of an era of prestige television that began... You know, arguably with The Sopranos, I think. Like, Sopranos gets a lot of the credit for jumpstarting that era of prestige television that, as I'm saying, I feel like we capped off with the end of Game of Thrones. If that's the case, the Deadwood movie feels like a beautiful, poetic coda, not just to the show, but to that era of prestige television. Cool. Um, I like I, it a lot. Did you Did you know? No, I missed it. I You were talking, and I was like, does this, how does he feel about it, though? Um, no. Guys, let us know what you're into. Uh, hit us up on the Twitter, Missing Outcast, M-I-S-S-I-N-G-O-U-T-C-A-S-T. Let us know what you're into. If you've seen Godzilla, let us know what you thought of that. If you're, if you watched the Deadwood movie, let us know what you thought of that. Um, just hit us up. We are, uh, you know where to find us, but you can also hit us up on our personal social media. Lex, where can they find you? I am on Twitter and Instagram at the Lex Michael, and I'm at Tari J T E R I J A Y. Also, tomorrow we're going to be talking about that sweet, sweet, never-ending story, the movie that we all love and were traumatized by. Lex hadn't seen it, so I made him watch it. I only love things that traumatize me. I'm reasonably certain if I dig deep enough, some fucked-up shit in my childhood would explain it all. But honestly, I just I prefer going through life with my eyes shut and my ears covered going ah, la, 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 la. yeah, yeah. Um, I have a I, very healthy relationship with self and media it seems like <laughs> it I'm assuming that one event was the tunnel scene from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory you know what that one honestly I always got why it freaked people out as intensely as it does but I never that one never got me I was mostly like can I be Willy Wonka when I grow up and do this to a boat full of people I mean, only if you got that cash, baby. Like, who are they going to complain to? The Oompa Loompas? The Oompa Loompas will be like, <laughs> yeah, we'll, 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 that's totally, true. we'll totally do something about it. <laughs> yeah, that's. I guess that's how I think the Oompa Loompas sound. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, they they do that, and then they sing a song about it. <laughs> something, 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 fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, make sure to catch us tomorrow where we talk about Never Ending Story, uh, and we will see you then. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye.